back. Pulls up for three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Well, welcome from me, Mark Woods, to the latest edition of the MVP cast, brought to you in association with Total Environmental Compliance. Check out their fantastic consultancy services for a whole range of environmental issues at tecompliance.co.uk. Now, our guest this time out is a newcomer to British basketball, certainly the most eye-catching signing in the BBL so far this off-season, a former NBA player, who's headed over here to take a central role in London Lions' bid to reign domestically while also embarking on a quest for European success in the Basketball Champions League. DeAndre Liggins, welcome to the MVP cast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. This move to London, I mean, you've played with a lot of high-level NBA superstars, A-listers of the game, of which we will talk more in due course but you know a guy with your resume seven nba teams you start last season in spain and acb another high level league we normally don't find the likes of you playing it in this country so what was the attraction about joining london lions um um, basically to um put london on the map like put british basketball on the map um, making more app popping to people and and it's a challenge like um it's a challenge for me um and it's and it's sort of like um pressure and i like pressure and i like challenges so it's like it's more challenging if anything so it's like going to an nba team with a, a um, non-guaranteed contract and you have no chance to make the team and you sort of um fight your way and you make the team so that's kind of been like my career, like um, go to go to NBA teams. When I went to the Cavs my, in the beginning of the season, they gave me a contract, but it wasn't guaranteed. So beginning of the training camp, I had to make the team. So that was a challenge for me, right? So I, I came out successful and I made the team. So, um, of course, this is a different situation as far as contracts, but it's kind of like the, the, the same thing. It's a challenge for me. And – Best guy that's got to come there and, and do what I do and, and try to put British basketball on the map. So when, when people speak about British basketball, they'll, they'll know because it's, it'd be more app popping, you know? Would it be fair to say, though, that you don't consider, you don't sign for London without that extra carrot, that extra opportunity to play in, in European competition with the Champions League? Yeah, and that's that's another thing too. Um, the thing that they was trying to they they trying to accomplish playing the championship league, um, European competition. I mean, I consider that also, and I and that was a big factor in me signing with the London Lions um, to be able to um, play against high level competition in Europe and, and make us notice, make us make the London Lions more noticeable and more attractive. So. I know they'll win. A, they'll win the organization, but we want to win at the highest level, and um, I'm glad to um, be a part of that and have the opportunity to do that. 
Is there an attraction about London itself? Because if we take out basketball, you know, a lot of players and, you know, looking at Europe, you're know, looking at Spain or Italy or Greece or whatever. But people have always kind of said that, you know, London in particular, the UK, because it's English speaking, it's a big city. Americans tend to be more you know, familiar. You can get TGI, TGI Fridays, that there is a certain attraction under the right circumstances of, of playing here. Yes, um, I consider um, I played in Spain and nobody spoke English, you know, like nobody understand English. So it's just like, oh, man, it's kind of hard for me. You know, I'm used to um, my teams I played on overseas. I, I, I had a hard time with um, far as like not on the court, but like off the court with like um, ordering food and stuff like that. So I consider things more attractive, um, more like Americanized in London is that they speak English. Like um, the fashion is great. Um, it's a romantic city. It's a rom rom romantic place. People get married in London. Like it's, it's a lot of things that's similar to America. Like, so I, I consider that and I like that. I actually like it. So what sort of homework have you done on the actual practicalities of London and the UK and yeah, maybe about the things off the court you want to experience? Um, I haven't did my research yet. <laughs> like I, haven't, I haven't did nothing, but wherever I go, I always make myself like I'm at home. So I, I, I always be comfortable wherever I go because um, I'm that type of guy. Like wherever I go, I make myself comfortable. And I, I make myself myself sort of like I'm from there, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I have no problem being in London, um, being anywhere. I could be. I'm in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, right now. Of course, I played here years ago, but I'm comfortable with it, and I, I know why I'm here. So I go to London, and I I, I know why I'm here. And this is not it's not sort of the city and all that. It's to um, put British basketball on the map and play at the highest level, and that's just bring a winning, winning mentality to the London Lions organization. I mean, talking of winning, I mean, let's, let's talk career. I mean, you played under coach John Calipari for three years at, at Kentucky up to your junior season. A legend of the college game. I mean, how does someone like Coach Cal influence you as a young player? Um, he's a he's a coach's player. Like, everybody loves to play for Coach Cal. And the thing with Coach Cal is um, – He's going to be very authentic with you, whether you want to hear it or not. And, and that's what players want to hear. You don't want to hear a coach that tell you something and don't do it or um, sell you a dream. Then when you get to the school, it, it don't happen. So um, Coach Kyle will lay, lay down the format of what he wants you to do and what, how he see you as a player. And you go there and you do what, do what you told and you'll be successful. And that's what I did. Do you think it helps going into the pros to have played at a college program where you're in the spotlight, you know, people are watching Kentucky year after year, you know, you expect to play in big games. I mean, is that an assist when you go into the pros when you're playing in big games and there's an expectation there? Yeah. I mean, if you look at Kentucky, it's like, um, it's like the Lakers of mm. college basketball, you know? So it's yeah. just like, um, Kentucky seat in the arena more than NBA teams sit in the arena, you know? So it's just like, it's expectations, it's, it's pressure, because Kentucky, this is a winning tradition. So it's pressure, 
not only on players, but on the coach too. So um, you got to go there with a mindset of knowing why you're going to Kentucky to get better, not only on the court, but academically also, because um, that's the big thing also. So Kentucky, um, you're going to be in the spotlight, but you have to know how to handle the lights and and, and sort of be disciplined also and, and, and know why you're there and, and, and have a goal in your mind of what you want to achieve. I mean, coming out of Chicago before for college at high school, you're already one of the top high school point guards in the country. So you've always been good from a very young age. Where did the love of and, and growth of basketball come from for you? Um, that's growing up in the projects in Chicago. Um, that's that's being tough-minded, playing um, really street ball and all that. Um, that just I just carry that on with me, you know. Just carry that toughness with me and that grit and all that that sort of stuff. And I always carry it and have that chip on my shoulder. Um, that's being competitive. I'm really a competitive person. And I'm also um, a point guard. I'm also very, very unselfish. So it's just like very unselfish. And I, I look for others first before myself. Um, I think that's a big thing with me. And I just I just want to win. That's the big thing with me. I want to win. I want to win. So I want to win. No matter if I, I score or don't score, I'm going to do all the tangibles and, and do the things to help my team win. So that's a big thing with me. I mean, when we hear about projects and in, in inner cities in the states, and Dwayne Wade, you know, from Chicago as well, has talked about this. But we are, we always have that image of it being tough. For you, hard, hard, tougher. Otherwise, was was that growing up experience there? It was tough. You know, you think a lot of things like um, people selling drugs, uh, people getting shot. Um, police running in and out where you live at. Like, it's a lot of things, but I'm just glad that um, my grandma moved out and I was at, I was able to rekindle my focus and um, and focus on what I need to focus on, and, and that was basketball. So that was a big thing of my grandma relocating um, to a better environment, and I was able to focus and get to a, a level, then the next level, then the biggest level in the world, which is the NBA. So I, I credit my grandma for that, and my, and my mom, and my all my, my peers. There is always that cliche about basketball being that the the route and the journey out of this. I mean, was that your way out? Yeah, that, that was the way for me. You know, everybody have their story of, of how they made it and how they overcame overcame stuff, you know? So I overcame making it out the projects, um, going through things. You know, I never, nobody's never perfect trying to make it to where they need to make it at. So you go through stuff, and it's, and you have to, you have to be resilient. You have to face challenges. You got, you got to overcome adversity. You got to do all that stuff to make it. You know, everybody's not, everybody go through stuff, and you got to over. The thing is, you got to overcome it and. How is you when you face an adversity? What 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 do you do? You gonna fall or you gonna you gonna stay up? You know, and I'm always a guy who who gonna stay up and, and overcome adversity. So I'm that type of guy. Have you got? I mean, was there one challenge or, or one piece of adversity that you're most proud of overcoming? Um. Yeah. I'm. Uh, yes. I mean, my my brother passed away. 
And my family was like, um, who's our next star? Who gonna who gonna make it out? Who gonna who we gonna see on TV now? Like we, we I mean the guy who we was thought was gonna go to the NBA, he's no longer here, which is my brother. So who's gonna who gonna follow his path? And it was me. And and I did it because I know that was his dream to make it to the NBA and and do all these things for my family. And, and, and I did it, and, and I'm so proud of that, um, just because I did it for him. Was that a mix of kind of the slight pressure as well as, you know, uh, I suppose a motivation in one sense? Yeah, it's motivation in a sense because um, he was great. You know, he, he was he was for sure going to make it. So it's just like, but he was more talented than me. So for somebody who was less talented and, and, and and to be able to find a way to make it, to overcome adversity and all that, and it was me. It was great, you know. It was a challenge, but I'm I'm proud of myself for that, and I'm sure he is. NBA draft 2011, and this is the this is the moment where dreams are made of, and you're picked second round, late in the second round by the by Orlando Magic. I mean, explain explain before we go into that that season, but why opt out of college at that point? Because a lot of people here don't kind of understand the process or of when you consider if you go to draft, if you stay the full four years in college for you, what was that decision process? Uh, my, I, I had went through so much, like we, we spoke of adversity, right? So I, I went through so much adversity in college from not really playing my freshman year, from like me and the coach and see out of eye at times. And I, I, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And I wasn't playing the level that people thought I should be playing at being a freshman, a highly ranked, a highly touted freshman coming into Kentucky. I wasn't playing at the level they expected me to. So the coach didn't play me as much and, and stuff like that. So it's just like, I, I just felt like, I got better when Coach Cal was hired as a coach. He he told me, he made me a defensive player. He told me what to do. He laid out a format. He said, do this, do that, you're going to play. If you do this, do that, you're not going to play. So I decided to to define the strength that made me help the team and, and made Coach Cal happy, and that's to be a, a fabulous defender. And I did that, and I earned minutes, and next thing you know, we got NBA scouts looking at me. Now I got a chance to to put myself in a position to enter the draft, to to be talked about, to get drafted. And I just thought, like, um, me leaving my junior year, I was going to be a second-round pick. I mean, if I would have stayed, Anthony Davis was coming in the next year, um, MKG, Michael Gilchrist, mm-hmm. and all them guys was coming in. And they actually won the championship, like, that year, I, after that year I left, they won the championship the next year. So I, I was just thinking, like, um, that's following my dream and my brother's dream. So any opportunity that I had to leave um, school to go to the NBA, um, I, I thought I was going to be a second-round pick um, the next year if I would have stayed. So it, it really didn't matter to me. The only thing that mattered is if I would have stayed, I would have won a ring. So it's just like that's that's the only downfall to that. If I would have stayed, I would have won a, a, a national championship. But I mean, things happen, and 
and I made it to the NBA and I, I got drafted and, and, and I was happy about that. I mean, did you feel, I mean, we should probably explain a little bit about your brother, obviously, was, was shot out, outside school, uh, very tragic circumstances. And you've still got the tattoo of him, you know, him on your arm. I mean, you, when you talk about dreams, when you hear your name called in the draft, did it feel like, in a sense, that was a shared moment? Yeah, I mean, that was very emotional moment um first person you think i thought about was of course um thank god and my brother because that's that's what i really did it for that's what i was grinding for my brother because this is what he wanted to do you know he wanted to be in a position to hear his name call so it's just like to hear my name call in the second round it was it was great it was a great feeling and i was very emotional i mean that rookie season you I mean you didn't end up debuting until until the february and obviously you want to go into the league you want to make an impact like everyone else and how how tough is that process of kind of staying patient for for your number to finally get called and you finally get to walk and play on an nba court it was great you know um yes um we had the coach stan van gundy um very tough minded coach very defensive minded coach but um he had a thing where he didn't um he didn't play rookies that much. So um, I didn't play as much, but I was still focused. I was still locked in. I was still learning from the veteran guys. So it, it went pretty well, um, but I didn't play as much as I wanted to. I didn't play at all. Sometimes I didn't I didn't even put on the uniform. I just put on a suit and I and I sat behind the bench some games. So um, it, was a, it was a big deal, um, but um, it was great. I mean, it was great to learn from them guys. Jason Richardson, Dwight Howard, um, Earl Clark. It, it, it was great to, to learn from them guys and, and see and, and, and learn from Stan, too, and watch. Do you have to be in a position, you know, is it rookies have to kind of know their place and we all know that the kind of system in a, in a sense that's there. But, you know, when you're trying to convince someone like Stan, who's taken a team to an NBA Finals, a big character, or that you know, trying to convince him that it's time for you to get some playing time here. I mean, how hard, how tricky is that negotiation process between not saying the wrong thing, doing the right thing in practice, maybe having a quiet word with maybe an assistant here and there. I mean, how do you negotiate that? With Stan, you got to be extremely locked in. Like he had the short tolerance. You know, he's a a fiery coach. Um, so you got to be extremely locked in as a, and I was just like a 23 year old, 24 year old at the time. And sometimes my, my focus was elsewhere. I mean, I'm, it's hard to be around the white Howard and he's like a, a superstar at the time. And he's just joking around, joking around. And he's just, just like, you focus on him. Cause you just, I'm coming from college. So it's just like, I'm not fully mature at the time, and I, you know, you, I, I lack focus sometimes. Like, basically, like tuning in to him and, and and watching him goof around. But that wasn't the reason I wasn't playing. But Stan is a very detailed coach. Um, my shoot arounds was so long, and he's a very detailed coach, and you got to be locked in. That. That year, so you move on to OKC. It was a bit of floating between the G League and the NBA. But you know, January thirteenth, 
you get your first NBA start. Comes against Portland Trailblazers. What's the feeling that day when Scott Brooks, who's coaching the Thunder then, tells you you're up tonight? Uh, <laughs> I was kind of nervous a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous, but um, it, it worked out well. I think I had like 11 points. I shot the ball really well. I guarded really well. Um, I, I think I played well, but I was kind of nervous when I was start. But when, once I got the plan, I played so hard that that game, I, I started cramping up. Really? So, so I, it I played, was that, that meant that physically energetic? Yeah, I played really hard. I was I, I started cramping up like in the middle of the game. They had to get me out, but I was fine. I, I played well. I played really well that game. That was one of my best games of my career. I mean, that OKC team, I mean, it's the trio of absolute titans. Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden still there. Coming off that epic run to the finals. I mean, you've got three big characters as well as big players within that locker room. What, tell us, what's it, what was it like to inhabit the space with, with those three? It was great. You know, them guys, they make the game easy for a guy like me. That's all I had to do is like sit in the corner, knock down shots, um, defend the best player, um, take loads off them, make it easy for them, um, guard the best player. So um, it was kind of easy. It was kind of easy. Playing with, with superstars is really easy. Like that's all you got to do is knock down shots when you open and, and do all the tangibles and you'll be fine. And that's what I did. And that's, that's, that's why I made my success in my career. That's doing all the tangible, doing all the little things. What kind of history, having seen those three up close and being within that group, what kind of history do you think that Thunder team could have made if they'd managed to keep the three of them together? They, I think they would have won a ring. If, if they was able to keep everybody together financially, which they had a hard time doing, or um, players was unhappy with the contract offers they was getting, which was James Harden, I think they would have won a ring. I think James, well, James wanted his own team. He wasn't happy um, with the number of um, contract he got, so he left to Houston. He he built his own team, so um, it, it was great. It was great. I think if they would all stayed together, they would have won a, a championship. It's pretty phenomenal to say you were starting with James Harden coming off the bench. You know, it's, it's not a bad, bad thing on your resume. Nope. <laughs> I mean, you, you you went on to you know to play in Russia for Krasny, and you know, it's, overseas it was just two months, and Russia is always a tough place to go. I mean, how how did you find that process of you know going to a country as you said where they not speaking the language, the culture is incredibly different, and it's quite cold. It's tough, like um, me being in the NBA. Um... Me being in the NBA is, is um, then going overseas. It, it, it was tough for me. It was it was really tough. It was it was going to Russia for the first time. That was my first time overseas. It was it was tough. It was very tough. It, it's a very, very, very different game. A very different game. Um, and I just try to bring that mentality, that competitive edge, and I think defensive principles um, is different. Um, it's, it's a lot of things that's different, but it's a lot of things that I learned now that I would know now and bring over to the London Lions compared to teams I've been on that I, I didn't 
know this or I know that. And it's a lot of things that I know now. That's why I, I really haven't had a, a, a full great season overseas yet. And this year I want to have a full great season overseas and, and make myself well-known overseas and, and stuff like that. So that's my main focus, you know. It's part of that coping with the kind of, not even the expectations, but the need to be, to provide that kind of leadership because the NBA, you're part of a puzzle around bigger players and, and have been, when you go overseas, you're expected to deliver. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're expected to deliver. Um, you're right. I mean, <laughs> I learned so much of what, what to do and what not to do now that, um, I'm I'm well equipped and I'm 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 just ready to show what I can do and, and what the coach need me to do and 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 being a great um a great player overseas that that's my main focus just being a great player overseas everybody everybody know me um playing with LeBron I have a name it's not sort of um like I didn't look at it like, oh, it's British basketball. Nobody, nobody know British basketball. Nobody know the London Lions. Um, London Lions, not they don't play European competition. Why you go here? It's not about that with me. It's about it's about me and my name and and putting London on the map, putting British basketball on the map because of my resume, because of what I'm bringing to the table, what I'm bringing to the team, and that's a winning tradition. That's being competitive, being a great teammate. And being a great person, so that was my main goal. It's not so much of what British basketball is not about. <laughs> it's not. I want to talk about LeBron in a moment, but you talked about winning, and you know you're you're in Sioux Falls at the moment. You know, you're working out. I mean, that's I guess is a special kind of place in your career because you won a G League title there. You were Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, and we we've talked about on this podcast about the G League, about how it's about development, it's about NBA call-ups. You know, it, it's a minor league, it's not private jets going everywhere, but you know, in winning a championship, there's a tough thing to do. What kind of bonds do you forge and, and sort of, what's the approach that you have in, in somewhere like the G League that takes you to a title? The thing about the G League, when we won the title, um, Nobody really got a call up, but I think um, Beyonce Weber at the time. And everybody was just, like, playing well. You know, guys in the G League, they want to um, not pass the ball. Everybody want to score 50 points and, and stuff like that to get noticed. But uh, when we won it that year, everybody was sharing the ball. We was defending well. We was – everybody knew they role. Like, nobody was, like – I got to score 40 points to get a call up. Nobody was focused on that. That's how we won a championship because nobody was focused on that. Then when we won a championship, everybody ship rose. I got, I got signed to the Cavs. Jarnell Stokes got signed to Denver. Rodney Magruder got signed to Miami. Like everybody, everybody was successful at the end. So that was, that was a big deal. That was, that was great. That, and that's what the G League should be about, you know? When you when you rock up though in Cleveland that you know that following preseason, you know and the Cavs are are coming off that title run, that amazing sort of title run, and you know and they would head back to the finals that that season, and you're walking into a locker room that's got LeBron James in the middle of it. I mean, yeah, you've obviously been around big name players, but what is it like coming in to play with him? 
Um, you, you know, you just don't imagine like playing with LeBron James. You know, <laughs> like it's just like it's just like before that. Like I, I didn't imagine playing with LeBron James. Even I played with Kevin Durant and Wes Wesley before that, and Dwight Howard. But LeBron James is just like. And and to no no just not LeBron James just like they just came off winning the championship and the next year they signed me so it was just like oh my god like what I'm gonna do like <laughs> then once you get on the court with him it's just like with me it's like all that go away it's just like my competitive edge is just like it take over and it's just like I'm really fitting in with this guy you know it's like it, it, it's just crazy. What do you take from him? You know, both both obviously practicing because we know how hard he works. And obviously playing with him, you you have to bring your A game because you know that he will make demands of you as a teammate. But you know, what do you what do you take from being in that environment? Brian, like he's very um, he's very well equipped, um, very a smart player, very cere- um, cerebral. Um, know the game of basketball. Um, we know he's talented. And we know he's the best player in the world, but that guy is smart. And he know a lot. He know a lot of people's tendencies. He know teams. He know players. And you think he don't. Like, he know a lot about your life. He, he knows a lot about you. Like, and it's crazy for him to, like, to go into, like, a, a shoot-around before a game, and he's, like, calling the team plays. And, and, like, before the coach, like, um, this guy going to do this, this guy going to do that. And and the guys, like, who we playing do it. And it's just, like, crazy. And that's what I take from him, like, knowing the game, studying the game, like, and stuff like that. I mean, he's got so much on in his life, and he's got people around him, you know, left, right, behind, in front. Do, do you get a chance to hang with him at all, get to know him as a person, as a teammate? Yeah, we, um, on the road, we always, um, have like dinners, like go to dinners, stuff like that. And I know LeBron well, like not personally like that, but I know him. Like we talk off the court and all that. We talk to everybody. Yeah, dinners and stuff like that. Dinners up. Like we go get on the road, get settled in the hotel, then we have a dinner at night. So that's that was a big thing. So that was it was kind of like team bonding and stuff like that. So it was great. You made 19 starts for that team, and then you end up waived just before the playoffs. And you know that they've got a shot at another ring. And, you know, as a player, you really want to experience being part of that NBA Finals. I mean, how much of it is it is it a kind of, I don't know, source of regret that you didn't get to be part of that? To me, um, I, I understand why they did it um, and, and why they they, they weighed me. Um, I I think I wasn't I wasn't locked in enough, and they bring in a guy um, Dante Jones, who's helped them um, play solid spot minutes the year before when they won it, and they they weighed me and bring them in, and, and, and I understood that. Um, now I do. Uh, first, I didn't, of course, because my competitive spirit just wanted to um, be on a playoff team and. Um, and I felt like I can help, you know, but I understand why they did it. And, of course, the NBA is a business. So, and I, I appreciate they giving me an opportunity to get back in the NBA and, and, and sign me and give me an opportunity. So I, I looked at all that and, and I respected it. 
at the time, do you, I don't know if it's David Griffin himself that delivers that news, but you know, the Cavs GM at the time, but do you kind of go, no, no, please, you've made a mistake, change your mind, or do you kind of just have to accept these things? You got you got to accept it. I mean, it's a business. I mean, anything with that. Um, Dave, David Griffin, like two months before that, um, told me he was looking to trade me. He told me he was looking to trade me. So um, I knew something was up, but um, I just you gotta you gotta still focus on basketball, no matter what you're being told. You still got to focus. You still have a job to do. So um, that was my main thing, and he was very um, he was communi- he was communicating with me. He just he didn't leave me out to dry. But it was surprising news that he told me. But I didn't know when it was gonna come. But it was like I thought I was going the playoffs. We had like one regular season game, two regular season games left, and I thought I was good, but I wasn't. So that's how I go in the NBA. I mean, you mentioned the business. I mean, you had, you had this sort of run where you were at Dallas, you're at Houston, you're at Clippers, Atlanta, four teams, not a single minute on the court for any of them. I mean, that's that's the kind of the side of the business that we don't always see from the outside where you're effectively a sort of trading chip. I mean, what's it like being in sort of that position where you're constantly waiting for someone to tell you, actually, we want you here as opposed to we're just going to use you to make another deal? You you just gotta stay focused. And, um, <laughs> really, just keep working. You gotta keep working, and the thing with that, you gotta be consistent. I felt like I played well for the Cavs and scratches. Nineteen games I started, but it, I dropped off. It was a drop off. I wasn't consistent. So you gotta be consistent all the way through. All the way through, you gotta be consistent. I felt like I wasn't consistent. And what is that? I mean, is that is that mental thing? Is it maturity? Now you look back on it, what could you or would you have done differently? Um, just be consistent, you know, like um, be consistent. I I think I got um, I was banged up a little bit, but I was still playing through it, you know. But I just I just felt like I wasn't consistent. That's it. Like I wasn't consistent. It wasn't like I was um. Then pass the ball to LeBron, or got on a tour with teammates, or it's just like my my play wasn't consistent. You know, it was good. It was good for nineteen games and all that, but it wasn't consistent at the time it needed to be. You know, I mean, you started last season with with friend LeBron and then joined Panionis of, of Greece, and you hadn't played an actual game before the COVID pandemic shut everything down, shut the world down. And your your agent was very vocal in talking about how effectively you were left stranded in Greece with without any real help. And what explain to us what went on when when everything suddenly went came came to a halt. I mean they signed me I got there and it's just like I I really don't know the um the they had to register me into the into the league or something like you got to register mm-hmm. me and i had i guess they had to pay to do that <laughs> so they they didn't want to pay and i i guess then then COVID happened then they really didn't want to pay and they they basically just paid me for uh passing the physical and the rest like i really just went there and just basically like watch the team play games um and just practice with the team um, which was cool and just 
I really just spend my own money just like living, eating every day, you know, and travel and all that. Does any of those experiences, did any of it, when you went off this summer, and obviously we didn't know what the economic market would be like, you know, when basketball might restart, still everything is a bit uncertain, but was there any party that thought, I don't want to try this overseas thing again? Yes, but right now I have no option but to do it. You know, I had to, I had to really <laughs> focus and lock in. You know, like I had to. I, I like, I, I love Greece. I, I love Greece. I think I play, I play well for Colossos, but um, I, I, overseas they, they really have to understand you first before they sign you. They got to understand what kind of player you with. They really have to get information from teams you play on in in the states before they sign you and i think that's what teams don't do a great job at like signing um u.s players american players overseas they don't do a great job of getting information from teams in the g league and teams you played on in the nba you got to get information on, on players not just film of them playing basketball you have to do your research you got to know that um of course um DeAndre Lagos he could play point guard too. He got to know that. Um Spain team, they didn't know that. You know, what kind of player is DeAndre? What kind of person he is off the court? Oh, uh, he's a quiet player. He he don't talk much. Um when I got to Spain, I didn't talk much and they thought it was kinda like they thought I was like not a team guy or something like that. No, it's just my personality. Like, come on, like you cannot like put something on the player that that's his character like he's not a bad person but you think he is because he's showing you something that you you misinterpreting like you know you got to do your research on players first i mean you're 32 now i mean having sort of been out of the league for a couple of years do you believe that nba door is shut for good or is there still an ambition a sort of burning ambition within you to get back there I don't know. I I mean, I I didn't went um I didn't been through so much like fighting to get in the NBA, going the G League route to get back in the NBA, like stuff like that. I just want to um play basketball at this point. Um uh, play basketball, feed my family, um and, and stuff like that. I mean, the NBA they know what I can do. They know what I can do. They know what kind of player I am. So if the NBA want to sign me, and if I'm playing well somewhere, and they see me, they want to sign me, then okay. But my main focus is not trying to scribe to get back to the NBA. My my focus is trying to help a team win, help a team, put a team on the map, um, be a great teammate, and stuff like that. My, I I've been 20, 26, 27 going the G League route, trying to get back to the NBA. And it actually worked. I, I did all that. But at age 32, you just want to focus on playing basketball, being the best person you can be, being the best player you can be. And that's that's my focus right now. Plans are due to face Neptunus Klaipeda in the first round of the, the Basketball Champions League on, on September the 15th at the Copper Box. Of course, we say they're due because who knows right now with, with everything that's going on. But, you know, with coming into London this season, the Lions fans listening to this, what what can they expect from you on the court? Um, a tough, hard-nosed player, um, a team guy, a guy who's um, 
who's just a winner, you know? Like, I play with an edge. It's, if you look at highlight, I play with an edge. Um, Knockdown shots. Um, a very a pass-first guy, um, team guy. I really care about people, care about my teammates, um, want my teammates to succeed. And I just bring energy. That's my whole thing. That's how I made it in the NBA. It's not so much of my talent. It's just my energy. Well, we look forward to watching you this season at home and abroad. And wish you all the best. But, John Jerry, thanks for joining us on the MVP cast. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Well, that is it for this edition of the MVP cast, brought to you in association with our sponsors at Total Environmental Compliance. Give them a follow on social media at T Compliance Limited. Now, you can subscribe, of course, to the MVP cast by your preferred podcast provider. We're on pretty much all of them or stream all our previous editions at mvp247.com, which is where you can get all of your basketball news. And you can also go there to become a patron on the site so we can keep delivering fantastic, exclusive content to you free of charge. Any help you can give us would be appreciated. Another edition of the MVP cast coming very, very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, it's bye for now. <laughs>